Good morning, baseball fans. It is Monday, May 15th. Um, this is a special bonus episode of bourbon and baseball. Like if this was an OnlyFans, you'd like you'd have to pay extra for the shit, but you know, mm. it's not. So we give this content content to you absolutely free because that's who I am as a person. Um, so typically it would be Susie and Shelby. Unfortunately, Shelby is no longer with us. I gotta keep not I gotta not keep saying it like that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it sounds like Shelby is dead. Shelby is not dead. Shelby just had to um stop doing the podcast because she has no time anymore. So um unfortunately, Shelby is not here on the podcast any longer. But I have a special, special guest, Kelsey Bird, um, from Peace, Love, and Baseball. Um, and is it Babes Babes? It is. On, okay. Babes Babes podcast. So the Peace of Love and Baseball is your own podcast, correct? Is it is, it? yeah. Okay. And then Babes Babes is um, a fun collaboration with uh, you, a Cardinals fan, and two Yankees fans. Am I? It is, yes. Me? You nailed it. That's that would be that would be super interesting. Uh, you just throw an Astros fan in there just for just complete chaos. And oh yeah, I, I think it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to have you on at some point and just let that all play out. Um, I think I spoke to uh, John. I we we DM'd a little bit, and I think we're going to try and get that scheduled like right before the Astros Yankees series. Oh, awesome! Yeah, and so that'll it'll just be all kinds of fun. We'll we'll have uh, we'll have a good time. But love it. Yeah. So, um, this is Kelsey Bird, and I've already given her the warning. But you know, if you're new around here, this is the first time you're listening. If you know, if you're listening because you know you love Kelsey, just know that this is a rated R rated our podcast uh, mainly mainly because I cannot uh, control myself and I just say all the expletives so um, not safe for work if you have small children around maybe earmuffs I I don't really care that's that's on you if you want to I'm not going to judge you whatever you want to do with the small children actually there is Susie, not going to be yesterday drinking, <laughs> yesterday I gave my mom a mother a shirt for Mother's Day that said good uh -huh. moms say bad words so we're on I, the same page there I'm currently wearing a shirt that says something to the longs to the lines of i would be much better at not swearing in front of my children of my kids if they were much better at making me not lose my shit <laughs> so <laughs> there um, you go i i forgot about the shirt like i had just pulled it out of my closet randomly and you know i used to wear it when they were much smaller and like didn't know how to read sure and now that you know they're they're gonna be eight they'll look at my shirt and goes Mama, um, your your shirt says a bad word, and I'm all, what what does it say? <laughs> and, and they're like, their eyes got all big. And they're like, we can't we can't say it, Mama. I was like, what are you? Because earlier, like last week, they, they went they came home. And they're like, Mama, one of my friends said the S word, and in my head, I'm thinking, oh, like they said, like one of your little friends said shit. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I was like, well, what did they say, baby? And she goes, they said the S word. And I'm all, and she goes, stupid. And I was like, I, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not. B8 again. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's not, that's Aww. not great. That's not, not great. Yeah. That's a nice word. So um, I try not to cuss around my children. And because I try not to cuss around my children, anytime they're not within earshot, it just all like, just word it out. It comes out. So that's fair. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, my, my husband's like, they get this from you. Like, you know this? Like, I'm all, <laughs> I don't know what talking about. Like, I don't cuss around them, but whatever. Anyhow, so, um, Kelsey, you are a Cardinals fan for how long? 
Uh, well, Lifelong? approximately, yeah, 33 and a half years. <laughs> okay. I was born into uh, a Cardinals family. I guess like my dad grew up in St. Louis and my grandfather actually worked at Sportsman Park in St. Louis back in the late 50s. Um, but my mom is a Cubs fan. So and her whole family, like really diehard Cubs fans. And so I grew up in central Illinois, which is dead smack dead in between Chicago and St. Louis. And because my dad was just more into baseball than my mom. And it was like such a thing that was ingrained in his family and family history. He got us all on the right page, fortunately. <laughs> and all three of his children are diehard Cardinals fans. So okay. my mom stands strong though. I got to give it to her. And we're actually all going to London together in about a month for the Cubs Cardinals series. And she, she's going to wear her Cubs gear. Among all I love so, that. That's good. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I, those family pictures will be delightful. I can't Absolutely. wait to. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of good that. content. <laughs> so, um, so Kelsey, I, um, we came across each other on, on baseball Twitter yeah. and, um, with this whole Wilson Contreras Cardinals catching situation, I really wanted to kind of take the temperature, if you will, um, of an actual Cardinals fan. Cause like, you know, we can all kind of look on the outside from, from our fandom and be like, what's going on over there? Why? Yeah. What's happening? So uh, for some context, if you guys um, aren't following all of the baseballs uh, in the offseason, the St. Louis Cardinals signed Wilson Contreras to, what was it, three years, five years? Five years. Five, five years, years. 87.5 with an option um, for a sixth. Yeah. To be their everyday catcher because, you know, Yadier, Yadier Molina just retired, rode off into the sunset with Albert Pujols, and apparently um, Wilson Contreras surprisingly to I don't know to anybody's surprise front office is surprised I don't know it is not Yadier Molina like uh wait he's what? not yeah I don't like I feel like maybe you should have t seen this before I don't know front office like what are you doing I don't yeah. know do so we look at stats do we follow our player <laughs> profiles at all like this also it's worth noting that this is the largest like free agent contract that in the organization's history for a player that was not already with the organization. So it was kind of out of character already. And when you make that kind of a move, you're like, all right, well, you're really all in on this guy. And all of the right communication came out between both parties of how they were on the same page of how open communication was so important to both of them and, you know, clear expectations. And Wilson's our guy, like he's going to be such a great organizational fit. I think what was most interesting to me right off the bat was that there is, yeah, clearly some kind of disconnect between these clear expectations of quote unquote, right. Of we didn't really even talk about as a fan base and, and the writers and people who cover the Cardinals specifically, and certainly not nationally did not even talk about like the obvious transition that would have to be made fundamentally as a team around this change like Yadier Molina is retiring there. It's well-documented that there have been teams in the past when their franchise catcher retires, that they have trouble bouncing back and struggle to kind of all get on the same page. And certainly that's something that they had to have foresight with, right? There, you would, you would think you would I, think, right. And so they, I, they obviously made it a point to want to get this big signing and get a big, exciting catcher, you know, one way, or an, one way or another for the team, 
Right. But it's like, was that literally the only thing, like just the optics of it were the only thing that you were worried about? Because we didn't even question the fact that like, obviously there would be changes behind the scenes and all of that stuff would be dealt with, but, and clearly it wasn't, uh, or at least not effectively. Right. Not to the level at which you would think would happen. I don't. So, I mean, obviously Yadier Molina defensive wizard, right? Like that's, I feel like, okay. So I, I don't know if you know this, but in the last, I became a baseball fan in 2018. That's so I, there, I have a very brief knowledge of baseball before that. Gotcha. Um, and so my view of Yadier Molina is not, not good hitting Yadier Molina. Sure. Is, is the defensive Yadier Molina where literally he is a brain pitching extra pitching coach on the field type of thing. Um, not, not for his bat. And then when I saw old games, I'm all, hold on. Yadi, Yadi could hit what, right. what, where, where was it? Oh, oh, Yadi Ermelina has been in the league for 93 years. I see. I see now, you know, exactly. So um, now when you go from defensive, amazing catcher, that did all of the homework behind the scenes, you know, all of that fun stuff to apparently Wilson Contreras, who I guess doesn't do the homework or doesn't do the homework to the level that Yadier Molina did. Like, I mean, you're not signing Wilson Contreras for that. Like you're signing Wilson Contreras for his, for his bad, essentially. Right. Right. Different priorities. And again, so that's why us as a fan base, like we don't feel let down by him because we did not have the expectation that he would be Yadier Molina, one of, if not the best defensive catchers of all time. Like this is his eighth major league season. It has been well documented by the Cubs covered by the Cubs, but also covered nationally that like, he is not your go-to defensive catcher. He has even been taken away from calling games at certain points. He only caught, I think less than 50 games for the Cubs last season because of that, because they were saying along the same lines, like, Hey, this could possibly be contributing to you know, what we're ultimately getting out of our pitching. And, and for that, they had Jan Gomes catch a lot last season. And I, I think there's even stats to back it up that like the pitcher's ERA overall with Jan Gomes was noticeably lower than with Wilson Contreras. And that's all neither here nor there, because quite honestly, like if you want to pin it on him, I I'd like to give you a, a definition if I can, Susie, the definition that I want to give you is for the word, or I guess two words, scapegoat. <laughs> and a scapegoat is a person who is blamed for the wrongdoings, mistakes, or faults of others, especially for reasons of expediency. And that is what I think we're seeing here with Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Well, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, this this all this all happened where it came out that Wilson Contreras w- is moving away from catching duties and just going into uh, DH and then outfield. And then they were like, Oh, just kidding. Not the outfield, just DH. And when it first came out, I was like, outfield. I'm like, St. Louis Cardinals have like 90 gajillion outfielders that are good. Yeah. Do so you mean to tell me you're going to throw them in the out outfield? Like, what are we doing? And then, and then for him to be like, Oh, just kidding. It's going to, it's just going to be DH. Well, but weren't you DHing? Like you're really good outfielders. That couldn't get in the mm-hmm. what what why why what's happening over there, and then and then it came out that uh you know the pitchers were I guess basically was there was there a mutiny I mean is that was that the rumor that the pitchers so, basically did this like what because that's it what's kind weird of about like it too is that, that Wilson was just blindsided no yes okay. yes it, and it did very much so seem there is nothing like 
hard and legitimate from any of the pitchers saying, hey, this is my problem. Also, like, these aren't pitchers who didn't have these problems before. <laughs> so let's be clear on that. And nothing against them. Like, I'm not here to right. trash them either. But they know it was not it was not directly from their mouths saying like, Hey, I can't get my shit together because of this new catcher that you signed. And that was right. like somehow an oversight because they weren't all together in spring training because of the world baseball classic. No. Right. So, well, but they, I mean, Wilson Contreras stayed back from the world baseball classic to learn the staff. Correct. Yeah. And so two of the starting pitchers on the Cardinals were in the world baseball classic, but those are also the two guys that, I don't think you're going to hear anything like that in the media from, first of all, Adam Wainwright, who has spoken only on behalf of Wilson Contreras and is more than happy to work with him and is the last person who's going to blame any of his issues on anybody else. And then Miles Michaelis, who even last all of last season and maybe even the season prior was primarily caught by Andrew Kisner. So they just seem to be a better pairing. And that's been pretty consistent. Like he was caught a couple times by Wilson Contreras, but you kind of always expect to see Kisner, our backup catcher, out there with Miles Michaelis anyway, because mm-hmm. uh, they're just kind of a duo that seems like a good fit. They are close friends, so they, you know, definitely have a dynamic that works for them on and off the field, which is great. So I can't imagine that those two guys, and and those two aren't really the ones that you hear any kind of inkling of, oh, they had a problem right. with him. It's really like I think what people who people have accused of maybe saying things like that is Jack Flaherty mm-hmm. and. Jack Flaherty certainly never said like, hey, my issues are because of Wilson Contreras. He may have said at some point weeks ago something about how that that is one of the adjustments that I'm working with. But since day one in spring training, Jack Flaherty and Wilson Contreras seem to have a very decent rapport. They seem to really enjoy working together. And there's never been any seeming miscommunication there or like, you know, glaring issue of hey, this guy is holding me back. And nothing like that was ever said. So that that narrative is still, in in my mind, at least from what I see, being controlled by the Cardinals front office. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So um, like I said, I after this whole thing had come out, um, I had listened to 43 different versions of like kind of national podcasts and shows um, talking about Wilson Contreras and his lack of defensive capabilities and whatnot. And, uh, and it was super interesting because a lot of those shows brought up um, the Astros quote unquote defensive catcher, Martin Maldonado. And as a, an Astros fan, it was just super interesting because I'm like, yeah, yeah, he is a big giant black hole in our lineup, you know? And, (laughs) um, and quite honestly, defensively, he's not even really that good either, but he he, down here is um, being touted as basically the pitcher whisperer. That that the pitchers are are you know just are so much better with him behind the dish versus anybody else, and that's and that was kind of the the narrative that is that was being um, played out um, by by our manager Dusty Baker because we have a we have a very young backup catcher, very young, mm-hmm. talking like rookie backup catcher that the front office is trying to say is going to get three hundred plate appearances, blah blah blah. There's no way. There's no way he's going to get that many plate appearances because Martin Maldonado keeps being run out there. Um, and so it just it just seemed very, very um, clear cut to me that I'm like, if you would if you would like a quote unquote defensive catcher, like I have one. I have one that I will, we will just plate on a silver platter and just give to you. Just 
hand over to you. Like, <laughs> you don't even, like, give us a grilled cheese sandwich and we'll be good. You know, it's it's one of those things. And so I I would just, I was like, surely they can't feel like this. Like, actual Cardinals fans, you, you right. don't feel like this, right? Like, you you knew that you were not going to get a defensive replacement for Yadier Molina. Like, you exactly. knew that you were getting a bat. Like, so... Right. My, and no one signs a long-term free agent contract like banking on the player that they're going to turn into. him into. Right. Well, but I mean, like if that was if that was even the plan, like wouldn't Yachty have stayed on and I, I don't know, like trained him or worked with him? And I don't know, I wasn't paying that close attention. I don't know if that happened during the offseason or during spring training. So none of that happened, right? None of that happened. No. <laughs> And a lot of that, I mean, I think you mentioned uh, on your last episode quotes from our president of baseball operations, John Mozalak, which there's a lot to unpack with this, because even on that side of things, like John Mozalak signed his last contract extension. He's been very open that he is uh, quite likely, more than likely, stepping away after the 2025 season. So there's also a lot of speculation that now different, there's like different powers that be that are really the ones in control of this narrative and oh, the conversation gotcha. okay. that's coming out around it, which that honestly like answered a, a lot. It made a lot of sense to me, answered a lot of questions that I had because there is in my mind, I'm just like, there is nothing that is not calculated and well-executed that comes directly from John Mosaic. He is the most tenured head of baseball ops in the league. Like that, this is just not the look that you see from them. So when that came out, I was like, Oh, okay. Well that answers that question a little bit that, you know, perhaps they're trying to let some, some new people stir the pot and it's not going so well, or, you know, there's going to be growing pains and things like that. But one of the things I think that you mentioned that he said was perhaps there were like nuances on the catching side that we didn't, we didn't have to worry about and we didn't even notice. And so there's a lot of speculation around that as it's like, did you even know, were you even aware of the difference maker that Yadier Molina really was? And the biggest thing that I see with that is that Yadier Molina, he, John Mozeliak spoke to how Yadier Molina was like having a coach on the field. And you mentioned something along those lines as well in his ability to evolve his decision-making along with the game. To me, that is not a skill that I need my catcher to have it is a skill that we need our coaching staffs to have. So I still come back to like, that's amazing that we had Yadier Molina, but one of the things that goes side by side with appreciating for Yadier, Mo Yadier Molina for everything that he was is knowing that he was the, you know, one and only like he was elite and he was this once in a lifetime franchise catcher and expecting someone else to live up to those expectations, especially with uh, little to no guidance <laughs> on your end, because clearly you didn't even know what Yadier Molina was doing, like scapegoat. Right. It's not, right. you can't, <laughs> can't yeah. put that on him. I, I, well, and then, and, but now it's, was that, was it, a, was it a Katie Wu athletic article that I read that basically um, after like a week of this, basically Wilson Contreras is now going back yes. to the catching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he is starting tonight uh, as the catcher with Jack Flaherty. Which is the one that everyone's been like, oh, but he he was blaming Wilson, right. and he wasn't, and he's also the one that got to work with him the most because he was not in the World Baseball Classic. So, 
yeah, he's going to start with uh, Jack Flaherty tonight against the Brewers. And it's been uh, a week, I think, since he was removed from catching duties and all of this for what? The most interesting thing that I read was from Derek Gold of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, who did an interview with Wilson Contreras being like, okay, so what changed? Like, what are you excited to implement? And he, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he was basically like, yeah, no, not really anything. Like, it's my game. <laughs> And I'm excited to get back. I, I basically told the organization, like, I'm a catcher and I would like to catch. Thank you. So. So, like, I mean, at this point, like, when I when I read that, I was like, so did basically, did it, because it, it seemed to me, again, outside fan base looking in, that the, basically the front office kind of, it looked like, told the pitchers, you know what, shut the fuck up, do your job, locate your pitches. It's not Wilson Contreras' fault that you're, basically shitty <laughs> um so we're gonna we're gonna you know remove him and put him back behind the plate where he belongs that uh, again that outside looking in so um because i think it was a quote by jack Flaherty that was like yeah you know we we got we got to work and you know we we i kind of ironed out some issues or something like that and i'm all in a week in a week right. you ironed out your issues like, yeah you and i mean they've been super vague about what what progress is being made? Like it's all, it's those, those <laughs> just answers that you hate but to you hear just, from, from, like, yeah, I'm going to answer you without answering you. Yeah, yeah. I was like, um, okay. So you didn't, so during, during spring training, during, I don't know, like the first like six weeks of baseball, like you couldn't, couldn't work those out, but you know, with in a week you got them all ironed out oh okay cool right and the only thing like i mentioned earlier that i've heard about like the reason they couldn't address that in spring training is because a couple of guys were at the ba world baseball classic and i understand that it is different that like pitchers are only pitching a couple innings but in the first especially like two weeks of the season it was actually the first and sometimes second inning that was like the worst for the cardinals pitchers so that really didn't hold any water for me either like i know the the approach to the game as a whole is entirely different in a spring training game, that's fine. But then, like, what what were you working on in, in spring training? And even so, even if this is really an issue that has come up, regardless, the way that it was handled, the way that it's been communicated was just completely unnecessary for the purpose of what they're saying it is, right? So right. the reason that I'm so adamant about him being used as a scapegoat is because the Cardinals have had pitching issues i mean fundamentally the way that they are built starting pitching organizationally like organization wide is right. is problematic and is something that the fans have been critical of for quite a while now i think i cannot remember the name of the minor league player who came out recently on sports radio and said something along the lines of like i was instructed by player development to stop trying to strike people out and to throw, you know, as few pitches as possible to get ground outs. And like, that's our, our approach is pitch to contact. And if you look at the guys in their rotation, like that is exactly how they're built. And it's not just the guys in the major leagues. It's all of them. So huh. the Cardinals have gotten away with a lot in terms of not spending uh -huh. on pitching because of their elite defense, none less than right. Yadier Molina. Um, I think we're seeing that now more than ever, <laughs> but I, and like I said, I do believe that his ability to evolve the game plan was unique. It is something that is 
is very difficult to teach. Certainly not something that you teach in a week. And right. if the Cardinals really wanted to continue to rely on that and stick with their starting pitching philosophy, then why didn't they just have Andrew Kisner, our backup catcher, who has been behind Yadier Molina for four seasons now? Like, if that's what they wanted to continue to rely on, again, optics, not great, but who cares if it's what works? And then right. he has been who's he has been catching the games now um, and who they have said, like, we, you know, we trust you with this because clearly we just, well, it's not Wilson Contreras. We're not going to take a step back. We're not going to switch you guys out. Like, no, he needs to come out. He cannot catch until we deal with this. So if that is really what the issue was, like, just let Andrew Kisner be right. your catcher. Right. And, and now we have Trace Barrera, who is like, I mean, he's been in, he was with the Nationals, I believe, last year, but he's like the backup, backup catcher who came up. <laughs> and you talked about how they deactivated um, or they released Taylor Motter because of that and how all of that didn't make a lot of sense. And the only reason I'll say that that did make sense is because there wasn't room for Taylor Motter either because of all right. of the, the GM in the infield and the outfield. And that is because my ultimate point and the ultimate purpose, I think, for all of this is because the Cardinals are good at developing the same kind of players that they are spending money on. So we have, we have like three or four, I think like third basemen who were like by trade third baseman, right? So we have Nolan Arenado. So anyone who goes right. up, Jordan Walker, by trade a third baseman, Nolan Gorman, by trade a third baseman, Andrew Kisner, our backup catcher, was an All-American collegiate third baseman. But we are repurposing them. And for their bats, obviously, because we want to right. keep them in our system, and that's all fine and dandy. But obviously, we're not going to have that elite defense that we can rely on. Then, second base, outfield, wherever else you're going to put them, right? And that pitch to contact philosophy for your pitchers is going to suffer in that regard too. So I believe that this is all in place. Uh, put in place by the front office as a way to kind of distract from the fact that they really need to overhaul their starting pitching from bottom to top or top to bottom, whichever way you want to look at it. Because as the game has evolved, even in the last five years in the age of analytics with the rule changes, which right. I think it's certainly too, too soon to say, you know, for certain that those are, but it's easy to see the writing is on the wall. It's only going to make it harder for these pitch to contact guys to to be able to get away with what they've been getting away with and to avoid the Cardinals having to do an entire like rebuild of their starting rotation. They've got to be able to do the business right. of making the trades and not just at the major league level. And then to maintain any kind of leverage with that, they have to distract <laughs> from the fact that like they don't have a lot to go off of. Right. In terms of, of starting pitching, and they are going to have to pay address more it than or point. give away more than they want to. Yeah, to be able to address <laughs> it the way that they need to at this point. Like it's, I think they're in a really tough spot with it. Well, now don't in the in the minors though. Don't you have a couple of um, young like uh, is it Matthew Libertor? Yeah, so we have Matthew Libertor, who honestly looks like a different player this season than he did last season. And so that's encouraging. He was up for a cup of coffee last season, too, right? He was, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. I and like I mean, there was, a, was there another one, too? Um, so we have Tink Hentz, who is in single A right now. He's probably, I think he's only 19, uh, uh -huh. but he was in spring. We did see him a lot in spring training. Okay. Uh, but the, again, like the development of those 
players has not- have been notoriously bad. So it's not something that I'm looking at right now and thinking like we can. There's, there's the salvation. Like, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not coming soon enough. And they're still using this approach that is is not going to serve them as well at the major league level, like ultimately. Okay. I am surprised a little bit that we haven't seen Matthew Libertor yet, but I'm not because they're paying. The Cardinals are also known for like using the guys they're paying, right? Right. No matter, no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. And again, like I get it. We all want to be able to utilize the things that we pay for. And it's a bummer when we can't, but Uh, that is why we haven't seen Matthew Libertor because Stephen Matz is on a four-year, $44 million mm-hmm. deal, and we're paying him that uh, regardless if he's in the bullpen or the starting rotation. So we're going to try over and over and over again to make him work in the starting rotation while we're paying him. Until your hair falls out, until you are like, why? Can we just – can we send him to the moon too? Like, And, well, to my earlier point, like we, they will make other adjustments around him, whether that be – the catcher or, you know, have a stronger defensive alignment. Like they will make other adjustments. And I mean, that's all part of the game. That's part of the strategy. You, you know, leverage people's strengths and adjust as needed. But at this point, like they, Jack Flaherty was really their one potential swing and miss guy. Obviously he's coming off a few seasons of uh, relentless injuries. And he's really prior to that. He really only had a half a season of, where we saw this, like, you know, the Jack Flaherty of yore that we all want to see again. Right. And he's certainly very talented. He's got a lot going for him. But to rely on that and say, like, this is our guy and he's going to come back from 2019 form, no problem. And the other four guys in our rotation are four or five guys at best. Like, that's, that's, you're <laughs> not, set up for not failure. Gonna cut it. Not yeah. going to cut it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, at this point, the St. Louis Cardinals have really kind of always been in contention, right? Like they've never been, I mean, they've never been super, super bad, but they've never been, you know, like over the top, just yes, going to the World Series type type thing. So is this the first kind of season where where Cardinals fans are like, "What, what the fuck happened? Why are we, why are we in the last place? What's happening? Well, yeah, we're definitely all caught off guard. And, but a big part of that is is because they shouldn't be as bad as they've been, right? There's for as much as I'm shitting on the pitching and saying, you know, like they need to make foundational adjustments there. Still, like they have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and every, I mean every other piece of that team is more than good enough to make up for that. And I I do right. think the front office was absolutely banking on that again. And so if we were not seeing this historically slow start, rough start, none of this would be happening. And there would be much less issue of them feeling the pressure to, to Send create or Gordon control. Walker. Yeah. Or create, create some kind of narrative. Honestly, uh, I'm of the mindset of Jordan Walker. Like, I don't know. The only thing I have to say about that is, um, you know, that it's, it's service time. Like they are, you know, service time manipulation. I was like three words, service time manipulation. That's what I'm trying to say. So were you surprised he ended up on the, on the roster to begin with? Cause I was, I, I yeah. was like, I was like, I Oh, was. like I, I thought he was, he was going to, he was going to go in the spring training and then be like, okay, to AAA you go. Yeah. And I then think it was exciting. Up, oh. I think it was a good PR move. I think he absolutely has the talent and, uh, no moment has been too big for him. Like he handles himself extremely well. And I think that was something that they maybe weren't expecting. So they were like, all right, well we can play, we can play with that. We can use that. Mm-hmm. And they used it. 
And then they said, okay, but we need to send you back down. And I, again, like I, to, to a certain extent, I am always going to appreciate the business side of baseball for what it is. Like Mm -hmm. you can't even like some of the greediest, most awful corporations. You're like, well, I mean, I see why they did that. Yeah. It's shitty, but like we get it. So I'm not saying like, I want to, you know, light the front office on fire because they are potentially using service time manipulation with Jordan Walker. But I think it's pretty obvious that like, and was that their only reason? Maybe not, but it's definitely on heavily on the the list of reasons. Yeah. And they just, they don't have room for him right now. He's, if he's not going to play every day, he shouldn't be up here. So um, he needs the the everyday bats. I mean, but was, was he, he was getting everyday bats up there. Was he not? Was he he was until he wasn't. And again, this all could have, it all could have played into them seeing it, it all comes back. The only like consistent problem that the Cardinals have is starting pitching. And it's not why they've lost every game. It's not why they've lost, you know, as many games as they've lost necessarily because the offense really wasn't clicking at certain points either. But it is the reason why they will always be an 80 to 90 win team and not a 90 to 100 win team. It is why they always have been. It is why they always will be until that is different at best. Because at this point, they're just not going to be able to get away with that, with the way that the game is evolving for, you know, in the way that they have the last five years for the next five years. And I think that's become really obvious. Interesting. Very, very. So that's, that's my take on it anyway. Gotcha. Um, So what, what is, what is the temperature there about the whole Tyler O'Neill Ollie Marmol situation. Uh, well, not <laughs> like, unlike how much time do we have. Yeah, not unlike the uh, Wilson Contreras situation. I think most of us. Well, I don't know. We were. I guess we we're a little bit more split as a fan base on this one, at least initially, mm-hmm. because here's the thing: people can be really hard on Tyler O'Neill. I personally am a big Tyler O'Neill fan, so I kind of already have my bias there. But I also like. I have nothing against Ollie Marmol. I've I've liked him. You know as much as I need to as a manager. I right. nothing against him thus far. But I do think it's really interesting, especially seeing how things digressed very quickly after that, that like, wow, something else was already going on there. And um, yeah, so I, again, it kind of comes down to the same thing with Wilson Contreras. Like, does it matter if he is lacking defensively? That's not what we expected from him, or that's not that's not the critique that we're giving. We're we're giving the critique like if that needs to be addressed, fine. It's the way it was addressed, right? That we as a fan base are like not cool. So same thing. I won't debate whether or not Tyler O'Neill was hustling. I personally like I'm so I'm a personal trainer and I'm like a nerd about mechanics and all of that stuff. Like I think that he had some issues with one of his glutes going on, and that's fine. That's something that I saw. Not here to debate that. Regardless of his effort, the way that it was handled and the way that it was just aired out publicly obviously was a hit to the entire team. And it really breaks your trust in your leadership. And I actually did a whole episode on my podcast about leadership kind of based around that whole instance. And yeah, I think that that kind of set the tone for the first month or so uh, of the season and I also think if, you know, we've been talking a lot about Yadier Molina, I think Ali Marmol's role as manager is very different on a team with Yadier Molina than it is without 
And and I think that he was probably feeling a lot of that pressure, especially in the first couple weeks of the season. And that might be, right. you know, a potential of why we saw him handle things differently and and not as gracefully as he would have before. So that and that was another kind of question because Ollie is what 36? 30, 36. Yeah, 36, maybe 37 okay. by now, but very young. Um so Adam Wainwright is 40. Like I I just I'm like I, how how are you as a manager supposed to manage if you your players are older than you and have been you know what I'm saying like I I'm not by no means am I saying like Adam Wainwright is like sit the fuck down Ollie like this is my <laughs> you know like at no point am I saying that um but I, I feel like maybe it would be a little bit uh more difficult for for Ollie as a younger manager to kind of gain that respect and I don't know if he was somehow thinking that this would not gain respect, but like, this is my team now. Yeah. Kind of, you know, putting it on the table and like, yeah, that's like, you know, his new role. Mm -hmm. So I'm like that, that could, that had to have had some sort of divide in the clubhouse. Like, I mean, it couldn't have been good for the clubhouse. Um, But now is Tyler O'Neill on the IL? He is on the IL, yeah, which is another thing. That, like, that's the reason people are very critical of him, or like Cardinals fans are very critical of him because he has had a number of injuries that have kept him from playing and then obviously reaching his full potential, uh, mostly last season because he had a really awesome 2021 season, and we're hoping that he would just build on that. And and so that was like part of this whole controversy too, was like, okay, well, do you want him? He Yes, we have seen him run incredibly hard before, but we also saw him have two serious hamstring injuries before so he is going to have to adjust his mechanics and maybe won't we won't ever see him run at full tyler o'neill speed again because he's trying to stay healthy and stay in the game so that was a big part of part of that conversation too and i think you hit the nail on the head with you know the ollie kind of trying (laughs) to set a new tone uh of his his age of leadership again post yadier molina but also at at that point, Adam Wainwright was on the IL. And so he was not, he wasn't with the team on at least like their first long road trip, maybe the first two. Okay. And that was something that we were all talking about too, is like, you want to talk about vibes. You want to talk about an energy guy, like a leader in the clubhouse. There's definitely a different dynamic that the team was counting on. And that is half, if not more of the reason that the Cardinals signed him again, you know, and are keeping him around is for, for his leadership in the clubhouse and for what he means to the organization. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I not going to lie. I really thought him and him and Yachty were just going to ride off into the sunset. Right. Together. And then when he resigned, I was all, what's, what's happening there? We know like what's going on. I mean, on? overall he had a great season last mm-hmm. year and he still got it. He had some mechanical issues that he was super upfront about at the end of last season that were from a very isolated incident that, mm-hmm. that he spoke about. And so there was no reason to think from the way that it was discussed that he wouldn't come back and, you know, be able to have the same sort of season that he did last year. And obviously he felt confident that he could do that without Yadier Molina. So, right. Right. I mean, <laughs> what? We can pitch without Yachty? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's so hard because, like, I don't – obviously, I don't want to discount anything that Yachty did for the team and for the pitchers. Like, he was a huge factor for sure. But no team is successful if it all rides on the shoulders of, of one person. Right. And well, how and crazy like- that we're trying to say that one catcher is responsible for five poor starting pitchers 
and yeah. then some in the bullpen. Well, and so what what was interesting to me was that um, basically you're only not your only, but overall the the starting pitcher that had the least amount of issues, I guess, um, was uh, Jordan Montgomery, Monty, that yeah. came over, you know, from the Yankees in that trade and didn't, I guess, wasn't used to the wasn't accustomed. Javier Molina yes. <laughs> treatment. I don't know. Like maybe when <laughs> right. you walk into the clubhouse and it's like, wait, you don't, you don't do your own scouting re- reports? Like yeah. Yachty, Yachty does that for you? Like I, I, you know, I got, you know, before, you know, Jose Trevino, you know, we had Kyle Higashioka and Gary Sanchez, like they ain't doing that shit. Like you mean to tell me that I don't, I don't have to put in the work. Like he does the work for me. Cool. Like, so I wonder if that had any sort of bearing on the performance because Monty that is interesting. Doing stuff. Yeah. Like, that is interesting to look at. Like he was certainly the least, but I mean, Steven Matz, who has been, you know, arguably the most poor performer in the Cardinals rotation, like he, I don't know. I would have to look back and see exactly how many starts he had with Yachty last mm-hmm. year, but he was only with the Cardinals since last season and he didn't play most of last season. So gotcha. he, and he was with the Mets before. Like I, I can't imagine it is, it is really interesting to consider that. Uh, we call Jordan Montgomery J money on Cardinals <laughs> Twitter. Uh, he's our guy. We love him. Feel very lucky to have him. But again, we gave up uh, Harrison Bader for him. So if we don't have Harrison Bader making catches in center field that sometimes only Harrison Bader is going to make, then is the pitch to contact pitching rotation as effective right. as it once was. So now who is, who is the rotating outfield out there? Like <laughs> who is it this it- week? Well, um, yeah. So right now, Tyler O'Neill is on the injured list, but he would be there. There was also a lot of, and something that I was very critical of, of the Cardinals early on was the lack of consistency mm-hmm. in anything. Uh, and in last year, I want to say there was over 140 different lineups from 162 <laughs> games. And we're, they're very much on track for that again this season. And I, you know, in the age of analytics, that's to be expected to some extent that you're going to look at, you know, the direct matchup a little bit more and switch things up. Right. But the biggest consistency that I'm seeing through the lack of consistency from the Cardinals is what we like to refer to as feast or famine offense. Because even if you look at last season, that was like the biggest critique that we had for them as a fan base was they were scoring two runs or they were scoring 18 runs. There was very few of the, and this team is built, especially now, especially this season to win a lot of like nine to five or nine to seven type games. Right. I think someone, I can't remember who it was, or I'd give you a shout out. Someone had that dialogue with me on Twitter recently. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's this team is built that way. So if the offense is not clicking, Mm -hmm. it's done. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're not going to keep it close. (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, back to the outfield, there was this back and forth between, you know, is, uh, so we traded away Harrison Bader Mm -hmm. is Tyler O'Neill going to start in center field. There's, you know, some up, upside to figuring out how to make that work with him, even though he doesn't have as much experience in center field because of his speed and because of different skill sets that we could put in place there. But then we've got Dylan Carlson, who is just like a really smart outfielder. And while like athletic ability wise, or just like who he is as a complete player may not make as much sense there on paper, but in action, like he's the one who's executing. And just again, like from the the mental aspect of the game, he clearly has it all worked out out there. And so that's kind of played out in a way. And then, and then you got Lars Newbar who can also play center field, but 
I don't know. So, so Dylan Carlson, I think is our everyday center fielder, except for now Lars Newbar is still playing center field. I don't know. And a big part of that is still kind of off because of the fact that Tyler O'Neill is on the injured list, but I mean, good thing that Tyler O'Neill is on the injured list because if he wasn't, then like, where would we put Brendan Donovan in our lineup? Because now we have, we can't, we can't have anybody else in that DH spot. So we got to have Nolan Gorman playing second base or Brendan Donovan playing second base. But if we want Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan, two lefties in the lineup, then we got to put one of them in the outfield. So Brendan Donovan's been in the outfield, <laughs> which is fine. He is our utility gold glove winner for a reason. Right. But we've also got Lars Newbar, who is absolutely an everyday player and has to be an everyday player, especially with the way that he's hitting again this season. His on-base percentage is unreal. Like, he has to be in the lineup. So he can play any outfield position, and he's been playing them all. Uh and then I'm like, man, who else is there? Well, we've got Jordan Walker, who isn't who isn't up here anymore. And then Alec Burleson is another guy who came up at the end of last season, didn't see a ton, wasn't like a guy to get super excited about, but he has been an on-base machine this season. He's made a couple of incredible catches now in left field. So, I mean, they're not making it any easier in terms of creating that consistency because you've just got too many guys who are earning playing time in one way or another, but they're just not all working together to make wins happen. Right. Until the last two series, which now, now they are right. And man, I'm just glad we got that Wilson Contreras out of the way. Cause clearly that's what, clearly, <laughs> that's, that was the issue. I'm glad we figured that out. Yeah. But then, so I haven't even mentioned Juan Yepes who has been up and down from AAA as well, because he is a big league hitter. He's not a guy to write home about defensively, but I mean, he's made, made some good outfield assists as well, or, you know, in big moments. And he is a big league hitter and absolutely deserves to be in a big league lineup. So do I think the Cardinals are going to be busy at the trade deadline this year? As much as I don't not, I, I don't want to part with a single one of those guys. I hope that they are. And I right. think that what is happening right now is, is all setting it up on the business end that we don't really want to think about or care about to, to showcase look at all look at all of these amazing outfielders that we have do i hear starting pitching for right and i know how bad we need starting pitching but it's really just because we didn't have things in line with our catcher so yeah so i'm glad that you brought that up though because that was my next question for you was how how uh how do you think things will shake out at the trade deadline and which which one of your outfielders or I guess how many of your outfielders, I should say, um, do you see getting moved at the deadline? Honestly, I am someone who gets very attached to these guys, so I don't want to see any of them leave. I already told you that I am a big uh, Tyler O'Neill. We call him bro. I'm a big bro fan. I've got a bro Neil sweatshirt. I love him. But I think he's probably the one that is most likely to get traded away because the other thing that the Cardinals are notorious for is, again, that service time and wanting to, you know, we are like 10th or 11th, I think, in payroll this year. And we're maybe not even that high, maybe like 14th or 15th. I'm not sure. We're always like right in the middle. Right. And the reason why the Cardinals are able to be as competitive as they are for so long and year after year is because they are conscious about all of that and i so again not thrown shade at the business side of it i'm not here saying like i want you to spend steve cohen money but i do think that a little bit (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I do think that there are they are more willing to part with guys like Tyler O'Neill, who is going to be a free agent uh, at the end of 2024. And he's a Scott Boris client. And the Cardinals, I would highly doubt they're going to deal with Scott Boris in free agency. So they already know, very similarly to Harrison Bader last season, that when he hits free agency, that they're very likely parting ways. And mm -hmm. so for them, there's just less less give with that. And Tyler O'Neill's potential is huge and his impact on winning each and every game can be really huge if he's utilized the right way. So he would be the one that I would think they would be most likely to part with. And that was like my big, huge red flag when all of that stuff went down with him and Ollie at the beginning of the season is I was like, geez, are they just like putting him on the trade block already. Like they, they, but that also, it made no sense from that standpoint either. Right. There's no good in any way, shape or form from making your player. Right. Look like they have a lack of hustle or effort. Hustle, yeah. So um, I looked so, way too far into trying to make sense of all of that though. I, so I'm looking at the, um, the spot track for the Cardinals. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's up there, but it's not ridiculous, you know. Apparently, apparently, there's seven point one million dollars just chilling on the injured list. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. All right, look at you. Um, so, I mean, but your your infielders, however, are you know also. I'm, I wouldn't say getting up there in age, but you know, not not the youngest of. Yeah, and I think that's why there's more talk about like there being an outfield jam than an infield jam because even though we have Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, we have Mason Wynn in AAA Memphis who could absolutely be on a big league team right now. But that's not really being talked about as a problem because of the fact that, yeah, we know that those are moves that are going to need to be made sooner rather than later. It's, you know, all a working system, but it's the outfielders where you're like, no, there's really – way too many of you and and then some in the minors too right. so what what is Tommy Edmonds role well Tommy Edmond is maybe maybe my favorite player I love like Tommy on the card I mean how can you not love Tommy Edmond so Tommy Edmonds role is to do whatever the hell they need him to do they need him to bat ninth they need him to bat leadoff sometimes he bats second he always plays either second base or shortstop okay. so he's actually shortstop by trade he was a collegiate shortstop at Stanford uh, but he played second base because the Cardinals had signed Paul DeYoung to an extension and he was the everyday shortstop. So Tommy Edmond is a gold glove winning second baseman. But when Paul DeYoung started to have his struggles, it was most natural to be able to move Tommy Edmond over to shortstop uh, because we have Brendan Donovan as that utility guy who can play shortstop, but he's he's certainly more better suited for second base. Gotcha. And then they moved Nolan Gorman, who has been one of their top prospects uh, from his natural position of third base to learn second base uh, as that has progressed to try to keep him in the system mm -hmm. and, and they need him in the lineup. So I'm certainly hoping after his start to the season, which I very much projected would happen for him uh -huh. that he is not in any kind of trade conversations because yeah, I think we got to, Hang on to that. But yeah, the Paul DeYoung thing is like a whole nother thing that's happening that we haven't really talked a lot about. And so he has really struggled the last few years, but they had him signed to 
to a contract through this season. And again, uh-huh. we talked about the Cardinals. If we're going to pay you, we're going to play you. So he has been on and off the injured list as well the last couple of seasons. Uh, but the middle, I think it was the middle of last season where they sent him down to AAA because they were like, I mean, you can't, you can't just be a guaranteed out in this lineup. And defensively, he is above average. I would say uh-huh. always has been at shortstop. So we're going to use him there when we can. And, you know, fortunately, I could not be happier to say that the last few weeks since he came off the injured list, he has had a successful rehab start and has been back uh, in the lineup most days. Like he he's crushing it and he's back in like 2019 form of when they signed him to that extension. Oh. So nobody is mad about it at this point. In fact, there's like an apology form to Paul DeYoung going around Cardinals Twitter <laughs> that everyone can fill out and uh, we'll, we'll get shared with him, I hope, because there's a lot of people that owe him apologies for sure. Um, but I've always been, you know, rooting for Paul DeYoung, not just because we have a lot of money in him, but uh, he and I went to the same college. We are Illinois oh, State okay. University alumni. And uh, I just think like I like to talk about the human side of baseball sometimes because I think it's easy to overlook. And he is someone who has he's 26 years old. I think he has 26 million dollars in the bank from from of guaranteed money from playing baseball and he was pre-med in college. He can go do whatever the hell he wants, but right. he's sticking with his team and trying to make the most of it. And, you know, they haven't DFA'd him like everybody's been calling for, for years now because they see the work and the dedication that he has to it. And um, I'm just glad to see that he's finally getting some production out of it. And he's absolutely helping this team win right now. Awesome. So when he plays shortstop, then that moves Tommy Edmund to second? To second base, yeah. Or it gives Tommy a day off, kind of depending. Again, you're going to see a different lineup. I think it was uh, game one and game two of the Red Sox series. We had the same Mm -hmm. lineup two days in a row. That was the first time that that has happened this season. And I was shocked. But I was like, Ollie's been listening to Peace, Love, and Baseball because he heard me say, (laughs) you got to – Go with what works. If it's working, right. don't change it. You're like, we, we like some consistency here, Ollie. Right. Come on now. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, like I said, it, it was, it was interesting uh, being on the outside, looking into seeing all of, all of the, uh, not so much similarities, but I guess like the differences in catching philosophies and, and all of that's that kind of stuff. And I was like, I need to, I need to talk to Cardinals peoples. Let's, let's do that. So, um, I was not, again aware that cardinals and astros twitter were in some i was like why do we not like the cardinals what's happening and they're like tell me you have been a long time fan without telling me you haven't been a long time yeah well i'm sorry but they're like the cardinals always used to kill us when we were in the nl i'm like we haven't been in the nl in like how long yeah it had it's been a long time i mean i barely remember that but i was like tell me that you're 95 fucking years old right. without telling me you're 95. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, at this point, like, I don't, I don't see the, the Cardinals as, you know, Astros competition. I and mean, like, if anything, it's like the Yankees and I don't know, whatever the fuck the Mariners are trying to do with us. Like that's, that's what that is. I'm all, no, don't. Have don't you read uh, the book that just came out in February by Evan Drellich? It's called winning fixes everything. Um, I have not. I think I you and I experts. need to have like a we need to have like a book club on it and like maybe okay. come back and have a discussion on it because there I learned a lot about the Cardinals Astros dynamic that I knew absolutely nothing about from that book. The whole like first half of it, I was like, I thought this was about the Astros cheating scandal. And they're like talking about the Cardinals. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. So it all goes back to all of that, too, I'm sure, which was about 20 years ago or, or okay. so. So, okay. well, you know, I, I, I did remember 
when I was like trying to figure out the whole like Cardinals thing, I was like, why do we, why, what, what's, what's with Cardinals? And then there was that whole, you know, like the Cardinals stole, Cardinals employees yeah. like stole computers. And I was like, computers, what? You know, and they're like, oh yeah, no, like people went to prison. I'm all, what? I'm yeah. like, we're, we're, we just, we're just going to gloss over that. Like, no, no one's going to talk about that. Like what? I, I was, I was very confused on why that was not, a, I guess a bigger issue, but. Yeah. Well, again, know. I think as fans and I don't, blame anyone for this by any means because for us you know we want to have a different perspective on it or and enjoy it the way we want to and we should right. but it's easy to ignore the business side of it and in the last 20 years and that's really kind of how this book all starts out in the last 20 years it's only become more and more business in all different sorts of ways so I think the me saying that I think the Cardinals have any kind of service time manipulation angle on Jordan Walker would be a very unpopular opinion. I think even among Cardinals fans, uh -huh. because they just don't, they don't want to think that. And the writers that write for the team aren't certainly not going Obviously to not. <laughs> right. say that. So I'll say it. I, I think like, we gotta I, be I'm not getting paid real the team. here. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's an easy thing to want to overlook. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the business side of things. And that's why, yeah, we don't hear a lot about that, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I was in a Twitter space the other, oh, my cat is currently <laughs> digging his claws into me. I'm sorry. Um, I was in a Twitter space the other night with, um, a bunch of, a bunch of random fans, but it was Yankees fans, Astros fans, uh, Red Sox fans. Um, and it was, it, it was a very interesting, uh, chat that we had in there because, uh, you know, it, it turned into, oh, well, 2017 didn't really count and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, if you want to believe that, that, that that's okay, like, too. But if you're going to come at me about that, like, we need to we need to have a very serious discussion on literally all of the other black eyes that MLB right. is, like, trying <laughs> right. to block over. And you're going to sit here and tell me that this, that this was the worst thing? I'm like, I'm pretty yeah. sure Tyler Skaggs has a has a whole different view on, on MLB than mm. this. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm all like literal drugs, literal drugs being right. given to players in the clubhouse and someone died, like legitimately died from this. So you mean right. like, no, like don't, don't come at me about that unless you're willing to talk about all the other things. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Susie. And I'm like, I'm just saying like, that's yeah, we, don't like, wanna, we, we don't want to, we don't want to think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, mm -hmm. we can have a discussion, but you can't sit there and tell me that banging on a trash can is the worst thing that has happened to MLB. Right. In the history of MLB. Like, <laughs> right. We can't, we can't do that, guys. So, um, the integrity of the sport. <laughs> right. I'm all, tell me, talk to, talk to me again about the integrity of the sport with the spitballs yeah. and the, and the, and no, 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 damn right. But, you know, um, I'm like, that's a whole other episode that we can, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can go on to. But, uh, so, well, Kelsey, I appreciate you, um, hanging out with me today and kind of, you know, giving us a glimpse into Cardinals, Cardinals world. Um, is there anything, you know, tell the people where one, they can find you on all of the social medias and whatnot. And then, um, final thoughts. Yeah, so I'm most active with all the baseball things uh, on my Twitter account at KBirdTweets, which is right below you. It's not bird with an I, it's bird with a U. Mm -hmm. uh, KBirdTweets. And then I've got a link tree in my Twitter bio there to uh, both of my podcasts, but they're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And Peace, Love, and Baseball is weekly on Tuesdays. It is about baseball, but it's about a lot of other things. And I love hearing about what people want to talk about. So I am a singer and an actor and a personal trainer and a baseball enthusiast. So I, you know, share some of 
my personal expertise, but I also love having people on that have different areas of expertise and just kind of highlighting how much we all have to learn from each other, I think is what I have, what I have really found that, that peace, love and baseball is, is really all about. And then of course we like to talk about uh, baseball from a little bit more of, you know, I think stats are really interesting and I am a very analytical person myself, but the baseball conversation is a little bit more like we had today. It's a little bit more on the human side of things and that human element that uh, the business side might be trying to take out more and more. And there's obvious reasons for that, but it's always going to be such a big part of the game and it's such a big part of what connects us to the game. So that is, is that podcast. Check it out. And yeah, I'm going to London for the Cubs Cardinal series in about a month. I like to, you know, play with different uh, content. I've got my little baby microphone, so I'll be, you know, interviewing UK fans on the street and we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, would love to orchestrate maybe a meetup of baseball fans that are over there for that series uh, on Twitter. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, Susie, I, I've got to get you on Peace, Love, and Baseball, and it sounds like Love we're going to do a Babes, Babes collab, and it's been awesome chatting Perfect. with you and just getting another great fan's perspective. Yeah. Um, again, um, you can follow Kelsey at her Twitter. Um, I have linked it uh, in the show description as well. Um, and then uh, this podcast will be available Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all of that fun stuff. Um, and then when that is shared, obviously all of those links um, will go out too. So make sure that you guys go and follow Kelsey for all of the Cardinals um, content. Babes, babes podcast. I don't know if I can really um, encourage people to you know, follow that one. <laughs> I try to keep the Yankees fans in line, man. We talk about, I really am dedicated to making that be about baseball, you know, league wide. Right. Uh, yeah, help, join me over there. We gotta help keep them on track. Well, we, I, I may, I may, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Later. Well, we'll do a little whole, we'll do a whole test run and see how that works out. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Yana has been nothing but super awesome um, towards uh, Astros fans, Astro, you know, like myself and and whatnot. And as Astros fans, we sometimes are a little bit more defensive than maybe we should be. I'm not, you know, it, it, it may be because of the, you know, 43 years that we've had to endure everybody talking at us and whatnot, but you know, it is what it is. Like I said, I joined baseball and my baseball fandom after that whole, after the 2017 season. Yeah, so I was like, like, don't look at me. I'm like, what happened? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what was going on. Like what? Um, so again, uh, Kelsey, again, I appreciate you having on, coming on and um, hanging out with me. And yeah, I'm super excited to um, collaborate again. Like I said, go check out Kelsey on Twitter. Information will be on the bio. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and rate uh, Bourbon and Baseball, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Um, also, you guys can join me on the new Relevant app. That's R-E-L-E-V-N-T. Um, doing in-game broadcasts and um, shenanigans over there on the Relevant app. Um, oh, it's really so. I'm like, if you want to, if you want to check out an Astros game, Kelsey. Yeah, that would be the way to do it. Um, that sounds yeah. awesome. Um, there's lots of drinking games and shenanigans. Like I said, it's, love it. It's fun. So um, you guys can check me out over there. I still don't have a co-host. They're looking for one, um, but apparently. I just am just too awesome that, you know, people can't handle my awesome. No, that's not it at all. I'm done. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you again, we appreciate, <laughs> you know, it's, I have a gift, Kelsey. I have a gift. No, just, <laughs> so again, um, I, we appreciate you guys and um, 
share, like, do all of those things. And we will see you guys later. Yay, best ball. We love you, Wilson. I mean, I only kind of mildly like you, Wilson, but you know, it is what it is. (laughs) It's not your fault. That's That's really the problem.